welcome back to the Colorado Switchblade. I'm your host, Jason Van Tatenhove. What a long, strange trip it has been, my friends. I don't think there's any way to really prepare yourself for testifying before one of the most historic hearings of our generation. There is no how-to book. And anything you think you may suppose about being a part of something like that just gets thrown out the window fairly immediately. Well, I figured I'd keep it short because it's hot. It's really hot today. It's been like 100 plus here in Colorado. I mean, it was bad enough in, in D.C. and then New York City. I had to, went to D.C., did my testimony, and it was hot and muggy. You forget about the humidity when you're not like down at the coast and you're living up in the uh, the high mountains of Colorado. But yeah, it was muggy. Did the testimony and then the media blitz that, that followed. I had friends calling me up saying or texting me saying, I can't turn my TV to a channel that you're not on right now. And, uh, yeah, I mean, all of the magazines, all of the newspapers, um, did some studio appearances, was on the Don Lemon show. That was my favorite. I like Don. He's actually kind of a human being. I mean, he, uh, talked to me beforehand, you know, he definitely had some, some energy going and, uh, invited me back on. So, uh, that's one I'll definitely be doing again. I don't know about, but that, about morning Joe. I don't know. The guy who was sitting across the table from me, like he didn't even sit up, look up from his cell phone the whole time, like as we're getting ready to go on camera, just jumps into the interview. Like, treat your guests like human beings. Be more like Don Lemon. Anyway, um, the media appearances continue. I will be uh, on the 11th hour on MSNBC uh, Thursday night after the hearings just to, um, I don't know talk about the process of the hearings, talk about my experience, give my my thoughts on Thursday's hearing. Um, I'm still kind of dumbfounded as to why so many people want to hear what I have to say. I'm just just some guy working out of my bedroom, doing the same things I've done for the last, I don't know, five years. I mean, I've always done them. Just writing, making art, making music, put on the front of this podcast. I'm going to keep doing it. My, uh, my book has... Uh, launched online it just exploded it was in like i don't know the top 20 of three different categories for a day or two um yeah i'm still working on it it's going good um but part of it was going to be you know the 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 last quarter of it was going to be about my time with uh at 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 the hearings during you know leading up to it the investigation you know the off the record the on the record interviews and then getting up in front of uh, the cameras of the world, really. Um, man, I still can't get over, like, going to the doctor's office, going to the uh, grocery store, riding my my motorcycle, you know, down in the valley. Like, everyone is recognizing me and letting me know they recognize me. Just something I'll have to get used to for a little bit. I'm sure it'll die down. I mean, the uh, the novelty will wear off, I'm sure. but. Um, for now, it's just kind of, kind of weird, kind of bizarre. All right. Well, for today's episode, I'm going to keep it short and sweet. I'm going to, so I, I spent a lot of time putting together 
a uh, what was going to be an opening statement that I was going to uh, read before the January sixth uh, select committee, but um, due to the the new evidence that that came through, uh, we weren't able to do that. the The chairman did actually mention um, the uh, the written aspect of it, but uh, I'm sure most people have not read it nor heard it. So I thought it would be good to uh, just read aloud my uh, testimony, my opening statement, rather, uh, that I put together for the testimony, uh, because it kind of, kind of, it's a good bookend. It kind of uh, introduces me and why I'm there, and and you know why I chose to be there voluntarily. Uh, yeah, I mean, part of that reason was they would have just subpoenaed me, but you know, better not to do that. Um, yeah, so let's just, I'm going to, I'm going to put the written into the body of the article and, uh, I'm just going to do this, uh, later this week or early next week, I will get back into, uh, local news. We've certainly had, uh, plenty of that happening while I was in the whirlwind of, uh, the Capitol hearings. Um, but I, I'm looking forward to getting back to, to life as normal, at least as normal as I can get it at this point. But it's it's so good to be back in Estes amongst my people. Went out to the wheel and just, you know, the people at the wheel just don't care. They don't care. I'm just Jason there, so I'm good with that. That's kind of what I need. I think Hunter Thompson had it right with his – he went to the uh, Woody Creek Tavern, local watering hole up outside of Aspen, Colorado. And it's so much I'm finding of, of the way he did things as, uh, you know, a public figure, a writer. Um really had some advantages so being an, a writer and and now a, a national figure um it's certainly nice to have a small mountain town to return to normalcy with and just kind of get back to sanity a little bit so uh thank you estes I, I love you guys and you know it all right um so let's get into this oh another thing i'm, I'm gonna be writing uh i gotta do it tomorrow but watch out for it i'm sure i'll post it and and just so you know like when i have events like this i shut down my facebook and social media I had a lot of people like have you been hacked i can't find you anywhere no that's all on that's that that's by design i do it on purpose so i'll, I'll turn my social media back on in a week or two when things have kind of died down i still have my twitter and if you haven't been following me on twitter um, <laughs> I do accounts because uh, I have no idea what I'm doing with Twitter, but, um, here, I'm going to put it up here right now. Uh, so I have two accounts, um, because I, I really don't know what I'm doing. And, uh, the one that I've been posting everything to is gonna be hold on bear with me i'm i'm pulling it up because i don't i don't know this stuff i'm still learning twitter um at so the at sign jason tatenhove j-a-s-o-n-t-a-t-e-n-h-o-v-e that's gonna be it's kind of where i have the most followers uh, which is not much i mean it's i'm sure it'll grow but uh you know like i said i'm just figuring this shit out um yeah, so follow me there. That's the one thing that I will keep up during these uh, as as I get more national more national attention. You know, if there are times that things get crazy, I will shut down my Facebook just because you know who wants to deal with trolling. 
I mean, I'm used to half of town hating me at any given time because of something I've written or talked about, but now it's like half of the country hates me <laughs> because of who I am and what I say and speaking my truth, but that's okay. I'm all right. That's all right. I'm used to it. I'm okay with uh, half of the country hating me as long as the other half appreciates what I'm doing. And I can't tell you the the outpouring of support has just been tremendous, both here in Estes and just locally. I mean, I've had people coming up to me and, um, you know, just, are you the guy? you know, kind of quietly just coming over. Is, is that you? Yeah. Yeah. It's me. And, um, you know, people just want to shake my hand, had a few drinks bought for me, which I don't mind. Like if you want to buy me drinks, if you want to buy me and my family dinner, I'm totally down with that because I am, I am still a poor broke writer. And, um, yeah, I'll, I'll take all the free dinners I can get. All right. Well, um, let's go ahead and get into, this this piece here and this was my my written testimony for what I had put together for the uh, House Select Committee so that's titled written statement of Jason Mantano former national media director for the Oath Keepers before the Select Committee to investigate the January 6th attack on the United States Capitol, dated July 12th, 2022. And it reads, My name is Jason Van Tatenhove, and I am a journalist and author living in Colorado. I am here giving testimony to the Select Committee to investigate the January 6th attack on the United States Capitol because, for a short period, I had access to an inside view of both the inner workings of the Oath Keepers and its founder and president, Stuart Rhodes. From the beginning, I knew this would be a story that the world would someday need to hear. I'm deeply saddened by how correct this intuition was. I come from a family of artists and writers and have always worked in some way as an artist and journalist. I am local to Colorado, where I've written for several outlets in northern Colorado. It's important for me to be here today in front of the select committee because all Americans need to pay attention to the genuine danger that extremist groups like the Oath Keepers pose to us and our society. Because of the actions taken on January 6th and the increased political and ideological polarization in our society, I fear what the next election cycle will bring. We need to relearn how to communicate with one another without guns, body armor, or standoffs. I am trying to make amends for what I did during my time with the Oath Keepers because I am remorseful for helping them push their dangerous propaganda. In light of the Select Committee's work and the truth they have uncovered, I am optimistic that this experience and my voice can help to shed light on these issues and embolden others to walk away from extremist groups like the Oath Keepers. I want to note at the outset that my firsthand knowledge of the Oath Keepers stopped when I resigned, as I will describe. But given my insider access and close proximity to Stuart Rhodes, including during several months when he lived in my basement, I can help to paint a picture of the Oath Keepers, how they worked, how they operated, and how dangerous they are. I do not know about the planning or execution of events surrounding what happened at the Capitol on January 6, 2021. Still, from my experience with the ever-radicalizing organization, I know the troubling signs were there for years before. 
My journey with the Oath Keepers began during the 2014 Bundy Ranch standoff. I was embedded with Stuart Rhodes in his vehicle as he made his second trip down to the standoff in the desert of Nevada. I was given unprecedented access to Stuart Rhodes and the Oath Keepers, including the organization's inner workings. This access continued as I covered the subsequent two standoffs, the Sugar Pine Mine standoff and the White Hope Mine standoff. This culminated in a job offer with the Oath Keepers after my name was included in a press release by the group, which led to my resignation from working with the state of Montana. I was offered a job as a national media director and web page associate editor for the organization. I worked closely with Stuart Rhodes for the next year and a half, often traveled with him to various events throughout the United States. During this period, I saw Stuart Rhodes courting members of the alt-right. Having issues with this radicalization, I knew I had to make a break with the group, even if it would be financially devastating to my family. There came a point when I walked in on a conversation in a local grocery store where long-standing influential Oathkeeper members and associates were discussing their thoughts openly, denying that the Holocaust had ever happened. At that moment, I realized that no matter what, I would need to break ties with this ever-radicalizing group. I am not a racist. I am not an anti-Semite. I am not a white supremacist. I am not violent. And I could no longer be associated with the Oath Keepers, whatever the consequences might have been. I now view it as my obligation to sound the alarm and raise public awareness about the Oath Keepers and get my perspective on this paramilitary group into the public conversation. While this may come as a surprise to some, Many of the true motivations of this group revolve around raising funds and not the propaganda they push. Stuart Rhodes and the Oath Keepers insert themselves into crises, situations that they would not usually have any part of, and seek to make themselves relevant and fundraise on the backs of those conflicts to increase the membership roles. Recruitment is a crucial focus for the Oath Keepers, and a target demographic is people that feel marginalized. I have seen these individuals whipped up into dangerous action by the group's leadership, just as we saw on January 6th. This, combined with the catering to the conspiracy theories of the day and an attempt to connect with ever-radicalizing communities within the alt-right, white nationalists, and even outright racists to gain more influence and money, is a dangerous proposition for our country. We cannot allow these groups to continue threatening our democracy. We must focus on understanding this reality, and most importantly, combating them. There have been times when I have personally discounted the reach of this group and its violent messaging. This was a mistake, because in the end, they were able to muster a group of heavily armed and outfitted members who had been trained in modern warfare techniques, including those we now know had explosives, to storm the Capitol to stop the process of inaugurating the duly elected president. We have been exceedingly lucky in that we have not seen much more bloodshed. But luck is not a good strategy for a country looking for better ways to move forward. It is time to speak the truth about these groups and the violent influence they wield. It is time to show an exit ramp to others like me who may have been caught up in the rhetoric of these groups and used as pawns in a dishonest campaign to capture more money, influence, and power. I have been frightened by what I have saw 
when I was associated with the Oath Keepers and even more so by what I saw on January 6th. I am honored to provide my perspective to the Select Committee and the American people. So that was it. That was my, uh, that was to be my uh, opening statement, but uh, due to the, the release of new, new bombshell evidence, they had to push it back. And uh, yeah, I mean, everything's kind of in flux with these things. I, I was originally supposed to, you know, they rescheduled me like two or three times, me and uh, Ayers. And I will say that, uh, you know, I, I, I wanted to kind of, we were having some discussion about things right afterwards. Me and my, I had a, a family member who came out to help me just as, as like be there for, for emotional moral support because uh, it was quite the ordeal. And um, she went with me to the Jewish Holocaust museum and uh, just, just was there to, to be by my side through the whole thing. And I'm so thankful that she did. Um, and, uh, you know, we were having a discussion afterwards about Ayer's testimony and, um, it was brought up that it, it seemed disingenuous at, at, in a, at a certain part when he was saying he was asked if he still thought the election was stolen. And he, he said something to the effect I'm paraphrasing. I, I, I uh, mostly do. I, I mostly don't believe it now. And, you know, some people in the conversation jumped immediately on that and, and, um, wanted to, to say how it was disingenuous, this, that, and the other, and, you know, begin ripping on them. And, and my family members stopped the conversation, says, wait, stop. And this is someone who's, whose uh, mother or another family member of mine is, is in, been in healthcare for the majority of her life. She's in healthcare, um, you know, and, and, you know, have dealt with these things and, and said, wait a second, no, wait, stop. This is a lot like cult deprogramming it's not something that that just comes back and indeed with my own recovery you know from all of this it, it, it was a process it was a gradual process where you have to kind of reconnect old thinking patterns or make new ones and you know those connections in your brain don't just happen like turning off a light switch they take time and you need support while doing it. And, and I think we need to, you know, there, there's a whole bunch of people who have been caught up in this and we really need to, to do, be patient with, with them coming to their own self-realizations about kind of what they were a part of and being misled and, you know, drinking a Kool-Aid as I call it. And, and we need to be patient with them and give them the opportunity to, to rewire themselves. I mean, I, I've been out of the game for, for a while, 2016, 2017, um, is when I got out of it. So I've had a lot of time to kind of make my, the progress that I've had and people that are just now beginning to maybe wake up, maybe be shaken awake a little bit by, you know, just the craziness of these situations that there, you know, there were gallows set up and, and the sitting president was, seemed to be encouraging, his followers to, to, to take action against the vice president, which God only knows, like what would have happened if they would have hung the vice president in front of the Capitol? What, what crazy twilight zone episode would we currently be in if that had happened? But sometimes those, those events can kind of shake a person awake back to who they were. And um, again, I think we just need to, 
we, we, I think that she was really, really onto something there. We need to look at cult deprogramming protocols and, and, you know, how they handle that type of thing in a psychological medical setting. Um, because I think that's going to be one of the answers to moving forward in a better way. And, you know, that's something that's been very much on my mind lately. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's what I wanted to go over today. It's going to be a short episode. Um, and uh, just because it's been so crazy, so busy, and man, I was just wiped out. I, I, I mean, I just can't tell you how how uh, intensive an experience it all was. And I was just kind of in survival mode, deer in the headlights, um, trying to function. And <laughs> I think you could probably see that if you look at look at my interviews. Um, you know, everything, everybody from Anderson Cooper to CNN Morning Show. Um, Joy Reed with the readout. That was a good one. I love Joy. I thought she was great. She was one of my favorites. I'll definitely go back to her show. Definitely go back to Don Lemon. Um, you know, Rachel Maddow spent like 10 minutes opening her show just on my tattoos. Like, how bizarre of a world is that? That you you turn on the TV and someone's talking about your tattoos and how you're upping the quotient of Congress. It's just it's just such an odd experience to go from pretty much unknown to, well, you know what? a whole lot of people around this world suddenly know who you are and can recognize you wherever you're at. So, uh, but I'm, I'm sure I'll figure it out. Um, but thanks for bearing with me. I know that uh, I haven't had a chance to put out much, but I, I kind of had some, some important things to do. Um, so I appreciate you bearing with me. Um, I want to take time to say thank you to my sponsors who helped make this program possible. And that is uh, the historic park theater and the Real Mountain Theater here in Estes Park. If you're up in Estes visiting and thinking of visiting, um, you know, you're going to get tired of hitting those trails all day for a week and uh, might need some downtime. And with as hot as it is, you might want to get into some air conditioning and just chill out and watch a movie. And there's only two theaters in town, but they've got some great stuff. The uh, the owner's really plugged into the community. She's, uh, she's uh, you know, doing her own things and, and uh, really supporting a lot of what some of the great things we've been putting together in our community here in Estes Park. So thank you to my sponsors. And um, if you want to help support this show, if you, if you want to, if you think that you have a business that might um, benefit from my, my audience and my voice, um, reach out to me, Jason at Colorado switchblade.com. Uh, but most importantly, I, I, I never charge for any of this. It's all reader and listener supported. So if you want to hear more of my words and, and what I have to say and updates on the book and different media appearances I'm doing and local news, we will definitely get back to the local news because that's really my gig um, when there isn't craziness like this going on. Um, then uh, consider consider membership options. It, it, we have everything from five bucks a month, which is, you know, literally you'll pay twice as much as that for a cup of coffee on the East Coast. Um, to uh, if you want to do a founding membership donation, you can do up to I think one hundred and fifty dollars, and that all goes directly to helping me feed my my uh, voracious teenage girls and uh, keeping a roof over our head and making sure they got clothes for school. We don't live extravagantly. We've uh, yeah, it's it's always a struggle. Hopefully that'll change with this new book. Hopefully this will allow us to to live a more normal life and not just be so much in the grip of poverty but i'm working on it we'll see uh we'll see how it goes anyway uh thanks for listening you have been listening 
to the Colorado Switchblade. And as always, I'm your host, Jason Van Tietenhove.